Hello, this is Ray Holbert, and welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. Every summer in Kansas City, 25 men have one simple mission, to win. Starting pitchers, corner power hitters, middle relievers, speedy gloves up the middle, closers, utility infielders, backup catchers, and they're each remembered here. From 1969 to last year, all Royals careers have been preserved with the most comprehensive collection of facts, memories, and stories in existence. Welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. Spring training 2019 has begun and all is right in the world again. It's Davo, and I'm glad you're along for another edition of Clubhouse Conversation. This is the place where we catch up with all your favorite current and former Royals players. And make sure you always bookmark our website, clubhouseconversation.com, that you're currently on, obviously. But number two, follow us on Twitter, at Royals Clubhouse. We also have a Facebook page, Clubhouse Conversation, so you never miss... A chat we have with current and former Royals players and our dishes as we break down current Royals games and weeks during the regular season. But this morning, I'm very excited to welcome Ray Hulbert onto Clubhouse Conversation. Ray Hulbert, a utility infielder for the Royals during the 1999 and 2000 seasons. One of the more fun guys to talk baseball with. You're in for a treat this morning with Ray Hulbert. Now, with the Royals, he got in 37 games, grew up in the L.A. area, Long Beach, His brother, Aaron, also played in the big leagues. But Ray played, in addition with KC, also with the Padres, the Braves, and the Expos at the MLB level. We're going to talk about playing in the majors and playing with some awesome players he played with, such as Tony Gwynn, for example. That's coming up. We'll talk about coming up and grinding through the minor leagues and focus on his times with the Royals as Ray joins us from his home in Arizona on this morning on Clubhouse Conversation. Ray, first of all, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate your time. And second of all, how's everything going with you? Excellent. It is raining in Arizona. We don't get that very often, so I am doing spectacular. Well, I'm sending you some of our Kansas City moisture that we've had the last two months. Been nonstop snow and ice, man, so you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we'll take it out here in the desert. Yeah, you need it. You need it. Well, what's keeping you busy in 2019? What are you doing out there? So, we got a lot of things going on. Obviously, uh, the family. I have uh, two boys. They're both freshmen in college this year, and I have a daughter that is 10. Uh, she is my dance queen, so that's keeping me and the wife busy. Uh, we also have a real estate business we run, and I just got in business with an international uh, healthy coffee company with a former roommate of mine from the San Diego Padres, so I stay pretty busy. Oh, very nice. What's the coffee company, and who's the roommate? The roommate is Jay Nolan. Uh, the coffee company is called Protect by Health, and we just officially launched in January, opened in 48 countries believe it or not. Wow, very nice, very nice, very cool. Um, now, how about uh, a few years back, 2014, 2015? I know you weren't here real long, but you had to be kind of excited to see the Royals in the World Series. Did you watch any of that? I watched every game. You know, that was an exciting team to watch. You know, the funny thing is uh, I had a chance to play with Ned Yotes over in the Atlanta Braves organization. Uh, so I had a chance to, to follow it with some expectation of seeing Ned get a ring and all those good things but that was a fun exciting team they played the game the right way i like the way they they played defense they ran they did the little things and they pitched so well you would have fit in perfectly on that team man that was your forte you know that you know it's funny i think i just 
I came along too early, right? <laughs> You're before <laughs> if I'd time. Have been on that team, that would have been perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on top of you playing five seasons in the big leagues, your younger brother Aaron also made it to the big leagues with Cincinnati and St. Louis. Uh, so where did the love for baseball come from in your family, and who taught you guys the game way back in the day? You know, it's funny. I think that growing back when we grew up, you know, in the 70s and the 80s, everyone played sports. So from the time we were little, we were either going to be a professional baseball player, basketball player, football player, and I think that was the whole neighborhood. Uh, so we got started in baseball very young. Uh, we used to actually go around the, the, the block. We would play our block against your block. We would go to the church clubhouse, and we would find people to play. It was, it was fun. We just grew up playing. So baseball was your number one growing up then? Yes. Yes, it was. Very nice. Okay, what's, your, what's he up to today, you know, nowadays, Aaron? So my brother is in the, the New York Yankee organization. He scouted, uh, he was a major league scout for three years, and now he is back on the field. He'll be managing over in uh, their, I believe it's their Tampa Bay uh, single-A affiliate. Okay, yeah, 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 Tampa St. Pete. That's awesome. Very nice. Now, okay, I saw he uh, ripped off 60 bags one year in the minor leagues. Could you ever beat him in a foot race in your prime? I beat him every time. Really? <laughs> You know, the funny thing is, and we talk about things like this all the time, the funny thing is uh, when I was growing up and this, he came a couple of years behind me, with the San Diego Padres, we had a bunch of fleet-footed type of guys, uh, and we had some boppers in the middle. So we were learning and being taught when to run and when not to run. And I, I believe in St. Louis at the time, they had to, hey, we want you guys just to run and get thrown out, and if you get thrown out, it's okay. So I'm talking. I'm chalking that up to the organizational styles. How about that? There you go. I like it. I like it. Well, and you went to David Starr Jordan High School um, in Long Beach. So did you guys always live in the LA area your entire childhood? Then growing up. Yeah, basically, we uh, moved into Long Beach when we were young, uh, and we stayed there throughout high school. We both went to Jordan High School. Um, I believe we had someone. We never made the playoffs on our team, but we had someone drafted. I believe five or six out of seven years in a row. It was it was pretty amazing, and most of the guys that were drafted out of our school win the top three rounds. Really? Did any of them go to the big leagues? You know, I went to the big leagues, and then a guy by the name of Anthony Madrano got to AAA. My brother went yeah. to the big leagues, um, and then a few other guys. They just played low A ball. Oh my gosh! I know Anthony Madrano's nephew. He lives here in Kansas City. He played for Omaha for a while. Remember him on Madrano? He did. We were actually. Check this out. So Anthony Madrano was actually drafted after my brother. So I believe probably four or five years after I was drafted, we were actually roommates in Omaha, <laughs> believe it or not. Talk about a small world. Wow, wow. <laughs> that just proves it even more. Okay, so who was your MLB team growing up and your favorite player? You know, love the Dodgers. Love, you know, love going to the Dodgers game. Uh, love the Angels as well. I would say the person I love to watch the most probably growing up with Ozzie Smith. Uh, he could do things that no one else could do. Uh, I was a shortstop growing up. I'd love to watch him. But if you had to pick someone from the Dodgers, I would say everybody from that infield. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, they were loaded. Um, so in high school, then, you had all state honors. You graduated in 88. You set the school's uh, record for hits, steals, and runs scored. So before we talk about the Padres drafting you, so how old were you when you realized, you know what, there's a good chance I can do this for a living and that I might get drafted? Like what year of high school was it when you kind of realized it was actually a reality? Oh, that's a great question. So growing up, 
you always think that you're going to be one of those guys that gets to the major league. But as you get a little older, you see the talent gets a little better. So it was my sophomore year in high in high school when I realized that there are some good players out there. And I didn't know, honestly, how far I would go. I was actually ineligible to play that year. And the high school coach walked over to me and told me that you have a chance to be a special baseball player. Don't ever let this happen again. And from there, that summer, we had a chance to play against the, the number two team in the country, and I did very well. And it was at that time, going into my junior year, where I realized that I have a chance to, to do something. Yeah, absolutely. And you went in the third round of the 88 draft to the Padres after the suggestion of scout Damon Oppenheimer. Did I say that right, Oppenheimer? Damon Oppenheimer. Love that man. Look at that. Okay, so take us back to draft day then. So where were you at, who were you with, and how did you find out the news you'd been drafted? Never, ever forget the day you get drafted, right? So I was actually sitting in biology class because in California, the draft happens in June. Well, the draft happens in June, but in California, you're still in school. I know most places around the country, they're out of school. So I was actually in biology when I got the call that I'd been drafted, and my second baseman was actually in that same class, and we just went crazy. It was, it was one of the best experiences that I've ever had. Were you dissecting anything to make the story even better? <laughs> well, you know what? I wasn't dissecting anything. By that time, I had kind of tuned out because I knew the draft was there <laughs> that day. So I was expecting and hoping to get drafted. Good. Some frogs were spared. I like that. I like that. Uh, were the Padres the team you thought would select you then going in? Actually, no. I couldn't remember actually talking to the Padres. I thought it was going to be the Yankees or the Brewers. They had a lot of interest in me at the time. Uh, when the Padres called, I was actually a little shocked, and I couldn't remember talking to Damon. Uh, but there was a funny story behind that. I'll probably have to tell you that off the air, but it, it was a good story. <laughs> I like those off-air stories. Fantastic. Uh, did the Royals ever scout you in high school or not till way later? You know what? I, I can't remember the Royals ever scouted me in high school. Uh, the, the first time I remember talking to the Royals was one of my free agent years, and, and I had a chance uh, after I signed with the Royals to talk to Alec Baird, and Alec had said that he had been looking at me for a little while. So that was that was a great fit for me coming over to Kansas City. I, I love the city. Uh, the organization was great. The players were awesome. Yeah. Well, was it an easy call for you? Did, did you have any college plans at that point? Were you committed anywhere? Uh, to go to college? Yeah, out of high school, yeah. Well, it was an easy choice for me because, remember, back you know in 88 when I played, there wasn't a lot of hubbub about playing college baseball. Right. That was something there that you went to get better, and I felt like I was good enough to turn pro at the time, um, and I had no desire. So, obviously, I had no leverage <laughs> when negotiation because I had no desire to go to school and play. I just wanted to become a professional, and I wanted to start my career. And you did that, too. So, 1988 with the Arizona League Padres, you were only 17 years old. So, 49 games of pro ball with the AZL Padres. What do you remember most about that? I remember mostly about that was I got drafted. They sent me to Spokane, Washington for a minicap. Now, remember, I'm from Long Beach, California. I have on shorts and a tank top. I get there. It's snowing. <laughs> so, I'm in the airport actually putting on my gear putting on everything because I'd never seen snow before. And then three days later, they shipped me off to uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, 
where it's now 115 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm taking off everything in the airport. It was it was a fun, fun time. Uh, we played all of our games at 10 a.m., so uh, we would actually be at the ballpark before the sun came up, getting our early work in and our treatment and those, those sort of things. The one thing I do remember, because rookie ball is kind of where you learn how to be a professional, the one thing I do remember is we had the whole team late one day. We were probably three or four minutes late getting out of the clubhouse. We had to climb Camelback Mountain in 115 degrees that day. Ugh. I will never, ever forget that. I will never be late again to a baseball meeting. Well, no doubt. I mean, in, in fairness to you, you're 17. You're used to sleeping in, right? That's too early for a 17-year-old. exactly right. I'm used to the summers, right? We play at 12 o'clock. You get there at 11.50, and you warm up, and you go, right? Right. Yeah, yeah totally. I'm with you. Uh, so, 89 and 90, you spent the seasons with Waterloo of the Midwest League, which no longer has an affiliated franchise. The Royals, actually, were there back in the late 70s. But what was it like? I'm interested to hear about Waterloo and the Midwest League. The H2O Lou. Well, the Midwest League almost killed my career. Yeah. <laughs> that that league was, I would say, the biggest uh, hurdle that I had to face in my career because I had never, again, never really played in cold weather, and the first two months in the Midwest League are pretty cold. Um, I was the youngest player in the league, uh, facing a lot of college guys, and it was a steep, steep learning curve. I, I am very thankful for the Padres of having some patience with me uh, because I believe if I would have put up the numbers that I put up there nowadays, I would have been released after my second year. Really? Even as a third rounder? I believe so. The guys, they move through guys so quickly now, yeah. and the money is, is so astronomical on the big league level where uh, it's, it's just not the same on the amateur side as it used to be. Yeah, sadly, they probably make the same salary in the minor leagues, though. The majors are a lot more, but that's a different conversation for a different day. So, okay, so Waterloo, what, what was the stadium like there and stuff? The stadium was awful. Yeah. Um, you know, it, at, but at the time, it's funny. You're, you're 17 years old. You don't know that it's not very, very good until you go to other places. The grass was probably, at all, uh, I would say, at least six inches thick. So you hit a ball on the ground and... <laughs> You're not getting a hit. Um, the fence, you know, they had the double-decker fences, and it was gloomy, I would say, for the first two months of the season. I remember playing my first year in sleep for the first time <laughs> and wondering, why are we here? There's like three people in the stand, <laughs> and we're playing a baseball game. Yeah. But you, know, you know there's a book about the Waterloo Diamonds? Have you ever heard about that book? I have not. I think it, I think it was written maybe a couple years after you were there, but it's it's interesting. It's kind of from like a front office perspective. I've gotten about halfway through it throughout the years. I kind of like read a chapter and forget about it for six months and come back, but it's interesting. I think, I think it's called Waterloo Diamonds, actually. But anyway, um, so 1991 then, that was a big year for your development then. So you were 20 years old. Uh, you got to high A, high desert, um, which I've heard there's nothing there, but you helped uh, lead the team to the California League Championship that year. So, t you know, talk about playing in high desert. Now, that was great. So we go from Waterloo where I don't know anyone, and the fans were very, very good to me. Uh, but when I left there, I actually had the chance to go back to California, and I was only about 45 minutes from home. So I had a chance to sleep in my bed. I had a chance to do all those things. And there was a familiarity with actually playing baseball and the people I was around. But the, the big difference, I believe, in that year was our manager, Bruce Bochy. Uh, Bruce Bochy, 
came over and he was able to uh, to instill in us a work ethic that we hadn't seen before. And I believe if you look at that team that from the high desert, most of those guys uh, that were starters on that team got to the big league. Mm-hmm. It was it was a fun fun year. So you actually stayed at home then? That was a little bit of a commute, wasn't it? It was about a forty-five minute commute. So half the year I stayed there, and then you know uh, I figured you know it's it's kind of wearing on me a little bit, but it was it was great. It was great for my development. I had missed home. Uh, you know, I, I believe I turned nineteen at the time, and that was the first time I was I was really home. So it was great. Yeah, so 92 and 93, you played close to here, about what, three hours from here, or two and a half hours. Double A, Wichita, um, you were 21 and 22. So in 92, you missed three weeks. You broke your little finger, but you still hit 283. And then in 93, uh, you were third in the Texas League in stolen bases with 30. So, you know, playing in Wichita. Yes, Wichita. Love Wichita. Great city, great folks. Uh, the stadium was nice. I played on turf for the first time. I remember after the first year there in Wichita, I, I thought, you know, now you're in double-A, you start thinking, hey, maybe I have a chance to get into the big leagues, and I thought that I had done enough to deserve a chance to play in the big leagues at the end of the year. It didn't happen. We won the championship that year. Uh, it was a fun, fun time. The next year, going back, I, I must admit I went back with a little bit of a heavy heart, and I didn't start off very well. And I believe I hit 260, 265. So the numbers were down a little bit. But I uh, love my time in Wichita. Uh, there, was, there was some great growth as a, as a human being. And uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. So kind of, a, kind of mirroring the question I asked you earlier. So earlier I asked you about, you know, at what age did you think you might get drafted? So when you, when you were struggling those years, like the first few years, did you think you weren't going to make the big leagues? Was there a, a kind of a moment where you're like, okay, maybe I still am a prospect? Well, the funny thing is, uh, I thought after that second year, I didn't even know if I was going to play anymore. Right. You know, there were there were rumors and whispers that that I was getting released, and you know, it's funny how those things get back to you. I had our, I believe it was our scouting director at the time, Tom Romanesco, call me and say, "Hey, you're all right." Uh, Rob Pizzolo was our infill coach, and I remember the conversation that Rob had had with me back in, in Waterloo. He says, "Hey, we don't care about what you do offensively." We just want you to play defense. We want you to get better. You're a shortstop. We need you to play defense. Um, and that's what I was trying to do. I remember later talking to Rob and said, hey, your advice almost got me released. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Oh, one other question I should have asked you. This is a very ADD interview. But uh, the Bruce Bochy, do you remember his hat being like, isn't he like a seven and seven eighths or eight and one third hat? Do you guys do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, Bruce. Bochy has the biggest head in the world, and I say that with all love and sincerity. I mean, this guy, he has a big dome. Right. But uh, talking about a leader of men, I don't know. I, You know, I, he's obviously a Hall of Famer. I had a chance to play for him and Bobby Cox, uh, both Hall of Famers. And the way they handled the different personalities and, the, and got men to, to move was very, very inspirational. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay, so 1994 then, one of the best years of your career. Uh, it's your first crack at AAA. You hit an even 300 on the nose with 27 stolen bases, 803 OPS. So that's Las Vegas, my favorite city to visit. I go there like four times a year. So before we talk about going to the big leagues, I've always wondered as a guy who loves Vegas, so when you're 23 years old, is it tough to focus on baseball with all the nightlife around there? It was, you know, it's funny you ask that question. 
I believe the first few weeks it's tough. But then after you lose enough money, it's not <laughs> tough anymore. <laughs> it, 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 you get your butt back to your, to your apartment and you get ready to play the next day. But I think it's tougher for the visiting teams to come in there because they're only there for a few days and they want to experience the nightlife. So I, I think we had a home field advantage, although we didn't take advantage of it very often. Yeah, you probably have half the other team is hung over every day <laughs> when they're exactly playing. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, you got the call to San Diego then. So it's May 1st of 1994 during that season. So uh, you know, I got to know this question. So take us back to the moment you found out. Where were you at? How did you get the news? Who told you, et cetera, that you're going to the big leagues the first time? Oh, so a very, very interesting story. So that year I started off, I thought I was going to make the club out of, the, out of spring training. It didn't happen. They had made a trade for Ricky Gutierrez before. Uh, Ricky was playing well, so they decided to send me down and to let me start in AAA. Well, I got off to a horrid start. Uh, it was it was awful offensively and defensively. And I remember calling our assistant GM and basically at that time saying, thinking to myself, I, I've had enough. And before I could get the words out, Reggie Waller says, hey, stop right there. I'm going to give you a couple of days off. You're not going to do anything. Just sit there on the bench and, and take things in. So he did that, and I came back and I played a couple of days and before I got to the big leagues. So my mind honestly had just been refreshed. They gave, they gave me a call to the big leagues, which I was not expecting because my play hadn't warranted it at the time. And once I came back from the big leagues, I was a man on fire. I had the best year of my career. Oh my gosh! So you you were that close to quitting again that at that point? Isn't that amazing? What? Isn't that amazing? So the the story, I guess the story behind the story is, you just don't give up, right? Because you never know when your opportunity is going to be there. Wow, that's serendipitous, man! Wow. So you you I mean you had to have been shocked then, right? Absolutely shocked when they told you. <laughs> Absolutely shocked. I remember getting called into the office, and again. You don't get called into the office very often during the baseball season. So either there's something very good going to happen or something very bad going to happen. And I'd never had a chance to go up during the season. So the conversation I was expecting to have from our manager wasn't a good one. Um, so when he told me I was going into the big leagues, I couldn't believe it. So the first time I ever had a chance to fly first class, almost missed my flight. Uh, had to go and buy a suit because I didn't have a suit. Uh, once I get to Montreal... I took about a $50 cab ride from the airport to the ballpark and had a chance to meet the guys. It was, it was great. Wow, what a story. So who's the first person you called You know, to say you're going to the big leagues? I called my brother. Okay. I called my brother, yep. Okay. So it, it was, uh, you know, I, I finally did it. I can't wait for you to get here so we can play together. Obviously, when you go up, you think you're going to be there for 20 years. Um, but... He was the first call I made. I was excited. You know, it was a, a dream that we had set for, for years and years, and it's finally uh, it come to pass. Awesome. So what do you remember about walking into the Padres clubhouse for the first time there in Montreal? I remember trying not to smile, <laughs> <laughs> to try to act like I've been there before, but not being able to hold my cheesy grin in. Right. right? So, so you walk in there, and all the guys are saying congratulations, and you're trying to act professional, but inside you're a little kid that you just want to say, I did it, I did it, I did it, <laughs> right? And, and getting into the clubhouse, and remember, in AAA, our, we have post-game meals. We call them our spreads. We have, 
you know, maybe some hot dogs or tacos or things like that. Well, I get in there, they have filet mignon, they have uh, lobster tails. There is a big difference, and I, I remember going, man, I never want to go back, even if it's just to eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's good motivation. That's why you hit so well when you went back down, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. So Okay, so you got in five games then, um, pinch hitting five times. Um, now, your first big league hit was on May 9th at home against Cincinnati. Can you name the pitcher? Tom Browning. That's right, former Royal. Do you want to hear that story? I do want to hear that story. Okay, so Tom Browning uh, had obviously had a long, great career, uh, and Tony Gwynn and I had a chance to become friends. We're both from Long Beach, and he would always uh, get on my case and rag me a little bit. Well, I get my hit. He's great. Tom Browning goes on to break his arm later in that game. Oh, my gosh. So Tony Gwynn says, your first hit doesn't even really count. The guy's arm was broke. Are you going to take that? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Oh, my gosh. That, I do remember that. That was that same game? Yeah, it was the same game. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Well, I, I want to talk about Tony Gwynn a bit later, too. But anyway, so you get sent back to AAA then. A couple weeks in the big leagues, back to AAA. Um, and then the strike happened. I'm assuming you would have gone back that year without the strike, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. Devastating. Devastating. One of the toughest times, I think, in a young player's career because you don't know what's going on and you don't have any control over uh, the negotiations or anything like that. You just want to play. And I remember a lot of the guys that I played with and against being thrust into that situation where either you crossed the picket lines or you were released or you held out and hoped that the team uh, would honor you being on the 40-man roster. Tough situation. Yikes. So what So what were you doing, not only that, like offseason, but what were you doing for jobs, like when your first few years in the minor leagues? What would you do in the offseasons? So the first few years in the minor leagues, uh, I did odd jobs. You know, I did uh, some, laid some carpet and tile. I, I sold things. I actually worked at Nike for one offseason. Um, it, it, was, it was really anything just to, to pay the bills in the offseason. Yeah, and then so you could train baseball a little bit too? Exactly right. Yeah. Okay, so 95 ends up being a great year once the strike lifts for you. So you spent the entire season at the major league level with the Padres outside of a brief uh, rehab assignment. So one of your best moments uh, was your first big league home run off of C.J. Nitkowski on July 17th. It was a grand slam, too. So take us back to that moment. What do you remember about that day? So great, great memory. Uh, I re- so it's funny how the, the things that stick out in your mind. So I remember – booting a ball at shortstop <laughs> and being so upset. Uh, I The first at bat, I hit a, a line drive at, at, at Brett Boone um, and end up getting a base hit out of that. And I remember uh, the guys coming in and saying, hey, you really smoked that ball the other way. They're going to come in on you the next at bat. So uh, he starts me off with a breaking ball. The breaking ball missed, and then he came inside with a high fastball and I crushed it. And I knew it was gone from the minute I hit it. And I, I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember Sammy Sosa, how he did his hop. Oh, yeah. But I hit the ball, and I immediately got into my hop. <laughs> and running around the bag, I slapped hands with, with Dusty Baker. I'm mean, going to start with uh, Davey Lopes. And then came around, and I think almost took Greg Nettle's hand off when I tried to, to <laughs> slap it because I was so, so... Uh, ecstatic of what was going on. 
we end up going, I believe, to win the game eight to six, I believe. Not yeah, yeah. That's great. What a great memory. Um, and then, so you had one other career big league home run, which also came that year. Can you name that pitcher? I cannot. It that, was against the Giants, though, wasn't it? Yep, Sean Estes. It was against Estes. Oh, he's in the book, too. Great. <laughs> yeah, the two chapters, right? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, okay, here's another trivia. Can you name the pitcher you got your big league triple off of? Oh, God. I cannot. Terry Mulholland. Wow, all these lefties. Yeah, I you think I only play against lefties, huh? Should there have, you go. You should, you should have had a fifteen-year pl- platoon career in the big leagues, man. Come on. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, okay, so what sticks out most, you know, other than those moments about that first full season in the big leagues? What, you know, what are the great memories from that summer? You know, I remember being able to hang out with uh, Tony Gwynn and learn from Tony. Uh, again, Tony and I became really good friends. We built a really good relationship, um, and just uh, going in and. and learning how it really was at the big league level and how to prepare for a baseball game. Uh, those are things that I, I will take away because Tony was always the first guy there to hit. And you would think a guy that was hitting 380 at the time, uh, he would take some days off, but he never took a day off. He was always there for a uh, 7 o'clock game at least by 2, usually at 1. So what I would do is I'd try to beat Tony Glenn there so I can get my work in. I'd get there at 12, and I would get my work in, and then I'd watch Tony get his work in, and then I'd go and do some other things. Yeah, it's, you probably learned every day from him just by watching, right? It, I mean, you know, to talk to Tony Gwynn about hitting is to talk to, you know, Aristotle. Uh, you know, it, it was just so much information that he could break down, and then watching him and observing and, and seeing how he maintained and he went about his business you know, that carries over into everything I do in life. Yeah, and what, and what kind of a man was he away from baseball, too? Oh, great guy, great husband, uh, great father, uh, charismatic, funny, uh, loved to joke, loved to play cards. And, you know, he wasn't a person that really let people in. But once you got in there, uh, he really, really would open up to you and, and give you information that, would really help you out. Now, how about an, uh, a guy that played for the Royals later on? What was Bip Roberts like? Bip Roberts. <laughs> Funny thing is, I was switching agents one one uh, year, and uh, Bip was represented by by Scott Morris. So Scott had him call call me, and I didn't know Bip. I just remember he was a big league player at the time. I I believe I was in Double A, and Bip called, and we had a chance to talk. And then finally, I got into camp. And Biff was pretty much the opposite of Tony, right? <laughs> Biff was very charismatic. Biff was out there. Biff loved to, to wear his emotions on his sleeve. Uh, very funny guy, but he got very intense as well. Uh, I, I believe that Biff always played with a chip on his shoulder, and that's why he had such a long and, and, and awesome career. I believe he still holds the hits, I mean, the record for most hits in a row. If I'm not mistaken, huh? Do you hey? Do you remember that commercial with him and Tony Gwynn about his baseball card value? I do not. Oh my gosh! I'll have to send you the link on YouTube. It's like they're in the dugout and Bip's bragging about how his card's worth ten dollars, and then Tony says, "Well, Bip, you're looking at Robin Roberts." He says, "Here's yours is worth." I still remember that. Yeah. Yes, yours is worth ten cents, and he says, "He says ten cents in fair condition, but fifteen if it's totally mint." <laughs> 
I love that commercial, man. That that was like one of my favorite memories. Those two in that commercial. Okay, one other guy I wanted to ask you about. Another guy that played for the Royals, uh, Brian Johnson, the catcher. Do you remember him much? BJ, yes. Uh, we actually came up through the minor leagues for a little while. Uh, uh, BJ is was a was a very smart guy behind the plate. Uh, Stanford guy, uh, very very intellectual. Could could hit the ball all over the field. Uh, yeah, one of my favorite guys. I, I believe he was there when I got married. Oh, very nice, very nice. Um, okay, so then following the 1995 season then. So I'm guessing you'd just gotten home. It's October 10th, and then the bombshell. So the Padres trade you to the Astros for Pedro Martinez. So were you shocked? And not that Pedro Martinez, by the way, for those listening. A different Pedro <laughs> Martinez. Right, but. right. Yeah, when people say that, man, you got traded for Pedro Martinez, I always have to, not that Pedro Martinez. <laughs> you can just let them believe it. Just be like, yep, I sure did. Yep. <laughs> so, straight up, too, by the way. Yeah, it was straight up. Straight up for Pedro Martinez. Uh, okay, so were you so, were you, were you shocked by that move, and how did you find out the news on that? I wasn't shocked. I got a uh, actually one uh, right at the trade deadline in 1995. Um, I had had a had Tony Gwynn come in today, and he goes, "Oh, you're here," and I go, "What are you talking about?" He goes, "If you read the paper, you were supposed to be in, in Houston right now." I go, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> and he says, "Yeah, they said that that uh, you were a part of the." The uh, Phil Frontier, the player to be named later, yada, yada, yada. And I go, wow, no, I, no one called me. I don't know what's going on. So I wasn't shocked when I got traded, but it is difficult once you leave a place you've been with for, you know, seven-plus years and go to a new organization. Yeah. Well, so, I- so I was at home, uh, and Rob Picholo gave me the phone call and told me that I'd been traded. He said he'd appreciated everything that I've done. Uh, and he looked forward to seeing me uh, in the future. Well, that next year, the 96, has to be one of the tougher seasons of your career then. So you began at AAA Tucson, then you had hamstring issues, um, and then uh, then your knee gave you issues all year um, as well. You only got in 28 games in 96. Was that, was that one of the toughest years of your career, I'm guessing? Uh, very, very, very tough. Yes, very tough. So started spring training. Uh, never before had hamstring or quad issues. Uh, hurt my quad in spring training. Um, wasn't able to, to really get out there on the field, go down to AAA, and almost immediately hurt my hamstring twice. And as soon as I come back, uh, I am going back feet first into second base because the shortstop at the top was Rob Quinlan. Uh, he was dropping the knee on everyone. I didn't want him to blow up my shoulder, so I went back feet first, and he drops the knee right on top of my, my knees and, poof, yeah. blows my knee out. So... Like you said, I only got to play 20-something games. It was very frustrating. It um, wasn't a good time. I probably wasn't a fun person to be around at that, that time. <laughs> so I, I, didn't, I didn't grow much in that experience. Why are guys dropping knees at AAA? <laughs> games don't even matter. <laughs> right? Exactly. And, and he, he later told me, he says, hey, you know what, I apologize. I'm not a shortstop. He goes, I play first base. Oh, okay. <laughs> he says, but I'm filling in. I don't really know what I'm doing. He goes, I apologize. Okay, so, well, f- fair enough. You know, I only missed a year, but I accepted apology. <laughs> well, yeah, if he didn't know what he was doing, you know, then blame the manager. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so after 96, you and the Astros went your separate ways then. So you signed with the Tigers. So what made you choose Detroit? Randy Smith was our GM in San Diego. He had actually given me a call and said that they had some room, they had some openings there, and asked me if I was healthy. He says, hey, he goes, 
this could be a great opportunity for you to get away from the Padres. You know, over there, there's a lot of expectations for you. Uh, you can just be one of the guys over here. You know, and I knew Randy. I trusted Randy. Uh, so I went over there to San Diego. I'm sorry, to uh, Detroit. And, uh, you know, didn't make the, spring, the team out of spring. Uh, they had a, a Rule 5 guy by the name of Debbie Cruz. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That guy, wow. He was really good. You know, there's sometimes when you go into spring training, you go, wow, I'm going to win this job. Uh, but the kid, you know, he could hit the ball a little bit, but defensively he was spectacular. And he was a Rule 5 guy. So meaning that if the Tigers did not keep him in the big leagues, they'd have to give him back and pay money. Right. So it was pretty much known that he was going to make the team. Uh, so I knew I was probably going to start in AAA. Uh, I did do that, went to Toledo. And uh, one of the tougher places in baseball to play, that old Toledo Mudhen Stadium. Really? Yeah, you, you really can't see the ball. The field was awful. Really? <laughs> and you really can't see the ball because of the background. It was some sort of light blue, kind of blended in with the dusk uh, at night. And most of the games, obviously, it started right around 7.05. So the first few innings, you, it was very hard for hitters to see. So if you look at a lot of guys in their careers, their numbers – when they went to Toledo during those years. Huh. Did you ever think you might get called up that year during the season, or did you pretty much know it was not going to happen? No, actually, I thought I was going to get called up. Uh, the tricky thing, once you're off of the 40-man roster, which most people don't know, is in order for you to get called up, they have to either release someone or take someone off the roster to make a new roster spot for you. Right. So that was the case where Detroit had a bunch of young guys and a bunch of veteran guys uh, that were protected, and they just really didn't want to take any of those guys and take them off the roster and leave them unprotected. Okay, I see, I see. Now, I think it was like 20 games that year, but and it was like a year or two later where it really happened, where the big story happened. But you played with former Rookie of the Year and Casey Royal, Bob Hamlin, for a brief time, and then he later famously came back and retired in the middle of a game. Any memories of playing with the Hammer? Yeah, the Hammer. Good guy. Good guy. You know, we didn't talk much, but he's a fun-loving guy. Uh, good to be around. Just love the game. Uh, like I said, we didn't talk much, but uh, uh, it was fun to be around him. I like his style. He grounds out to second base and then just runs back to the dugout and retires. <laughs> did you ever hear that story <laughs> that he did that in Toledo? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's classic. Okay, so after 97, then you signed with the Braves, um, went to spring with them in 98. So you earned your way onto the roster from AAA Richmond on April 10th. They purchased your contract, and then, uh, you know, so you had been in the big league since 95, so I'm guessing that was a really big moment for you as well. So take us back to, you know, being in Richmond and being called up. What do you remember about that second call of the big leagues? Yeah, so first game of the season in Richmond. It's the minor league season. It actually just started. Uh, so I remember getting actually sent down the last day of spring training, and Bobby Cox coming up to me and says, hey, we think you have a bright future. Uh, unfortunately... <laughs> Rafi Belliard is here. He's a fan favorite. We know what he can do. He, he hasn't done anything to really lose his job. Uh, we're going to go with Rafi. If something happens, you'll be the first guy to get called up. Well, uh, Rafael Belliard gets hurt, and Walt Weiss has a hamstring is- issue. So the first, uh, the first game of the season, we actually are in a rain delay in Richmond, and I get a call from the manager saying, hey, they're going to call you up to the, to the big leagues. You need to get out of here. So that was how I found out cool story nice that's that's a fun uh, a fun meeting to have right you're like okay peace out bye <laughs> absolutely absolutely 
you know Belliard's actually a special assistant to the GM for the Royals now. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. What a, hey, that is, he's a great guy. Yeah. Rossi Belliard is a great guy. He's a great human being. Yeah. He uh, also works, I think, infield coordinator. I think he robes a little bit, too. So, um, okay. Great defensive guy. So you went uh, you went up from April 10th to May 6th. Um, so that month with the Braves, you know, what sticks out about that? You know, I didn't play a whole lot. I had a chance to play uh, in Philadelphia uh, behind the great Greg Maddox. That, I'll tell you, was one of the best experiences defensively uh, I've ever had. I mean, he would actually tell me, hey, Ray, move over two steps. <laughs> and throw a pitch, and the guy would hit it right where he moved me. It was unbelievable. I mean, to, to actually see someone work like, you know, he did, and then you also have Glavin, you had Denny Nagel on the team. It was unbelievable. And that group of guys, that was the first real veteran uh, team I'd been on, championship caliber team. It was really fun to, to be around. I learned a lot from Walt Weiss. Um, Tony Graffinino was on our team, uh, obviously Chipper and all those guys. It was a really fun experience. So from what I read, you refused to go back to AAA then and then became a free agent. Is that how it went down then? Correct. So they offered me the chance to do the same thing. They were going to, uh, if something happened, they were going to call me back up. But in the process, what happened is Ozzy Guillen had gotten released from the White Sox. So the way I looked at it is you have Rafael Belliard with 16 years, you have White, Walt Weiss with 10 years, and you have Ozzy Guillen with 13 years, all major league service time. There wasn't a lot of room for me there. Okay. Uh, so I decided rather than go to AAA, I'd become a free agent. Um, I had a, a few different teams that wanted my services. I chose the, the Montreal Expos for the opportunity, um, and that's the route we went. Yeah, so you got in, uh, you're with you know, AAA Ottawa, then you got in two games um, with the Expo. So anything, you know, I guess that's a real short time. Anything stick out about Montreal teammates or games or anything? Yeah, you know, I, I honestly thought that, that was probably one of the more disappointing times in my career uh, because when I got called up, I believe at the time I was hitting 340 or something like that. Uh, I was playing very well. Um, and there was actually a need in Montreal for some players. They had just uh, called up uh, Orlando Cabrera, which was a really good player. He was a really good young player, and Jose Vidro, they were both very good players. Uh, but they still had some need there, and, and I turned down a lot of money to go to <laughs> Montreal, to be honest. And uh, I was – so in my contract, I had it in that I had to get called up before a certain day or then – they, they would have to give me my release so I can go to another team. So I felt as though they called me up and sent me back down just to fulfill that obligation but didn't give me the opportunity to play. Okay, okay. And you mentioned you had a chance to make a lot of money. Without prying, was there a Japan or something in there? Is that what you're talking about? Well, no, I had a similar opportunity with a couple of other teams. Oh, okay. And there was a lot more money on the table to do it. But because of the opportunity in Montreal presented, you know, if you look at the rosters of the teams and where they're going – I figured, hey, I'll have a chance to play there and, and maybe show what I can do. Uh, so I chose Montreal. Did you ever consider going to Japan or anything at any point during your career? You know, it's funny. I got a call to go to both Japan and Korea uh, and turned, didn't really give it any serious thought because at the time, you know, I'm a shortstop. I'm not a big guy. Uh, I think the most home runs I ever hit was seven or eight. Uh, I'm not a big guy. 
And I was a little bit weary of the culture shock, being away from home for that long, being away from my family. Um, so it wasn't something I really considered doing at the time. Okay. This is reminding me of a, a previous teammate of yours. I just spoke with Chris Haney a couple of weeks ago. He played with Montreal and then went to Japan, so I just had a little deja vu there. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, okay, so anyway, um, this is where it gets exciting for me. So after the 98 season, um, you signed as a free agent with the Royals. So it's December 17th of 98. What made you choose to sign with KC? It was opportunity. So I remember talking to Tony Muser, and uh, we were in spring training. Again, the last, last day of the uh, spring training, last guy to be sent down. And, and I can be honest with you, I actually had tears in my eyes because – if you look at the spring training numbers, I should have played there. Uh, but Tony said, hey, we don't need another shortstop for the first 10 games of the season. So what we're going to do, we're going to go with Steve Scarsoni. Uh, we think that he's offensively uh, going to be a better better fit for us. And we will look at this after, you know, the first couple of weeks of the season. Well, you know, I, I told him, I said, Tony, I said, Tell me why I should stay with Kansas City. I said, because every time I've gone somewhere and they've told me they're going to call me up, it's just been for a couple of days. I said, if I come up to Kansas City, will you guarantee me that you will actually allow me to play? And Tony said, I can guarantee you this. If you get called up, you'll get the opportunity to show what you can do. And I said, okay, fair enough. I'll go to AAA. So I went down to AAA. And had a chance to play for Rob Johnson. What a great manager. Yeah, love Ron Johnson, man. He was with Pawtucket forever with the Red Sox organization, too. Yeah, he's hey, he's one of the funnest guys to be around. He keeps it loose. Really? Played for he played uh, you know, he played a cup of coffee for KC too back in the day. Eighty three and eighty four. Yeah, two years in the big leagues with the Royals. Like a real cup okay. of coffee, but way back. Uh okay, did you know anybody over here before you came over? Uh, you know what? I don't believe I knew anyone over there. You know, I know guys from playing against them, but I had a chance to meet the guys as I was there. You know, I came good friends with Mike Sweeney, uh, Jed Hansen, uh, you know, Jermaine Dye, uh, all those guys that were there once I got a chance to get there and be around them. But going over there, no, I didn't know anyone at the time. Isn't Mike Sweeney like one of the nicest human beings you've ever met? He's one of the best human beings you ever want to meet. Yep. And he is genuine. Uh, he loves genuinely. Uh, I I don't have anything bad to say about Swing Dog. Great yeah. guy. I love that guy. Um, okay, so you went to spring training with the Royals back when they were in good old Baseball City, Florida. So the amusement park is long since yep. closed when you're there. And now it's a I'm, – I'm sad, so I never got to make it there. They tore it down into Best Buy now <laughs> where that's at. But, oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so what do you remember about that Baseball City complex, though, You know your, your memories of being there? Yeah, I loved it. It was great. Uh, I actually – because I was at spring training the year before in Atlanta, so I stayed at the ho- same hotel as the Braves. Uh, so they're minor leaguers. I stayed in the same hotel – uh, I actually roomed with a guy by the name of Gene Shaw. Uh, with, he was with the Royals at the time. I'm sorry, he was with the, the Braves at the time. Uh, so we roomed off, and I went to Baseball City every morning, which was about 15, 20 minutes away. And the complex was really nice. The fields were immaculate. Uh, I, I enjoyed my time there. I enjoyed my time in Kansas City. Nobody Were people not showing up by then, fans? like Didn't it get to like a ghost town in those years during spring training games? You know what? I hadn't really noticed it. You know, it wasn't 
like it is out here in Arizona, right. obviously. But you have to remember, we weren't winning at that time either. So it was once once you start winning, more fans come out typically to your spring training games. True, true. Um, okay, so 1999. So you mentioned it, Ron Johnson, but AAA Omaha, you were hitting 297 with four home runs there. Four home runs? How about that? You were hitting some power that year. Um, that's power for me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was in 33 games. That's pretty good. Four home runs in 33 right. games. Um, and you had 13 steals, and then the Royals called you up July 27th of 99. So, you know, take us back to do you remember the time that they called you up where you were at and how you found that out? So I, rem- I remember there's a couple instances. We played actually. Uh, I forget what it's called, but when the Royals come down to Omaha and play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they came down to play, and we're taking infield. Uh, I forget who the outfielder was. He makes an errant throw. I jump up to get the ball, and I come down, and I blow my back out. <sighs> I am down for six weeks. Um, and I remember <clears throat> Frank White coming up to me and goes, Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> we were just about to call you up. Nuh-uh. <laughs> So, so that had happened a couple other times where they were ready to call me up, like Tony had said that he was going to honor his word. Uh, they were ready to call me up, but I got hurt. Uh, so I think the time before I had a sore hand, a sore quad, um, didn't miss any time, but they kind of shut me down as far as playing. They wanted to see me get healthy. And as soon as I came, as soon as they came to see me, I blow my back out. Um, that was kind of that thing. I forgot your question. Oh, well, yeah, you know, I guess just, you know, how you found out the news you were going back when you did go back to Casey. So RJ called me into the office and told me I was going up. Obviously, I was I was pumped up. We had a wonderful team in Omaha. I believe we were in first place at the time. It was fun playing with those guys. But all the guys that I had a chance to meet in Kansas City were great guys, too. I was, I was excited to get there. I had a chance to, to go up and... It was it was great. I, I think, I believe I, it was a uh, Hall of Fame game. Had a chance to go to the Hall of Fame game oh, and cool. play from there. On the flight, they told me that I was going to stay with the big team. Oh, very nice. That's cool. Um, so, you, you, I mean, you mentioned that you got into a game against Seattle your first day up there. You're a defensive replacement at shortstop, but. So first walking into the Royals clubhouse, though, you know, like you mentioned earlier, they weren't winning at that point quite yet, but they, it was a fun team. You guys scored some runs. What, what do you remember about the culture in that clubhouse? I remember it being pretty loose. I remember uh, Ray Sanchez and Carlos Fables, you know, Carlos Beltran, you know, it was pretty young core. And I remember thinking how good Beltran was. Yeah. <laughs> Man, this kid can play. You know, I remember that in spring training and then having a chance to see him. But I remember we were scoring a ton of runs, but we were losing games, mm-hmm. you know, eight to seven or nine to eight. And, uh, I, I just remember talking to Johnny Damon. I go, dude, we have everything that it takes to win. We just got to close games out. And meaning, just do the little things to close things out. And and I don't know how much you've had a chance to talk to Johnny, but Johnny's a gamer. He's a guy that goes hard. He always wants to win. He takes it very seriously. Uh, so I gravitated towards him early on just because of his competitiveness. But uh, I, I my initial thought going into uh, the clubhouse was, Wow, we're, I think we're going to have a chance to do some cool things here. 
Yeah, man, that was. I think that was one of the worst years ever for the bullpen. That was that was a tough year, man. I know those guys are doing their best they could, but that was a that was a tough year, blowing all those right. games late. Uh, so you didn't play a lot the first month you were out there, but then Tony did honor his word once. You mentioned Ray Sanchez, Carlos Fables. They both got hurt in late August of '99. So you started 23 out of the next 25 games. Um, you had your first three-hit game at the Metrodome in Minnesota, August 27th. You remember that one at all? I can't remember that one. No. Really? Okay. And then That's you, good. The, well, yeah, three. Well, then you had a, a four-hit game though later uh, against Toronto, September 5th. You I remember, remember that, that one? one. Okay. Yes. <laughs> what sticks out about that? I re- I remember having three hits. Well, the first one I got was a little blooper somewhere, right? I didn't hit the ball good, and it just kind of found a hole. And the second one I hit, I smoked. Um, and then uh, the third one, kind of a seeing eye base hit, right? And I remember going, man, I've never had four hits in the big leagues. And Tony Fernandez was playing third, and I dropped down a bun on him to get my fourth hit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, because he was a shortstop but by then at the end of his career, I'm guessing. Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What else sticks out about that first year in KC? Anything else? Any other memories? Well, what sticks out as well is when I was first announced my first game in, they, they announced me as my first big league, uh, my fit, first big league appearance. <laughs> and I, I remember the, the Jumbotron being on me, and I'm going back in, Chad Kruder goes, hey, are you a rookie? And I go, no, it's, it's my first American League game. He goes, oh, man, we were planning some good stuff for you. <laughs> they were going to rookie bash me if it was my first year. That's funny. Okay, so in 2000, you opened up the first two months at uh, AAA Omaha. Uh, so you know, going into that second year with the Royals, what did they tell you that year? Well, that year, uh, I was scheduled to be on the big club. I had actually had uh, some vision problems late in the year, so I had LASIK eye surgery. Um, so uh, the, the surgery didn't go as planned. Uh, so <clears throat> I didn't get a lot of work in the off season because I was trying to let my eyes rest and get back to normal. Well, it ended up that I had to have contacts uh, fitted in January. So when I went into spring training, I wasn't where I should be as far as my vision-wise, and I played awful. Uh, I remember uh, having a conversation with, uh, with Tony and, and, and letting him know that I'm not right. I don't know what's going on. I'm not right. But my depth perception was way off. I went down to AAA, and, and I stunk up the joint. Um, so that was what I remember uh, preceding that year. Well, before we talk about coming back up to KC, um, I grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska, which is about you know 45 minutes from good old Rosenblatt before they tore it down. I missed that place. But uh-huh. um, what do you remember most about playing in Omaha? I remember Zestos. You remember Zestos? Yes. <laughs> I, I remember for all of you guys that are listening, you don't know what the heck we're talking about. It's a small mom-and-pop burger joint that was right next to the stadium. Yes. All the, pl- the players used to get the bat boys to run and get a hamburger <laughs> right after batting practice so we could get something in. I remember that place, and I remember um, you know, some of the guys taking batting practice in Omaha because there, there were days when the wind blew out and the ball would just jet. We had you know, uh, some guys that could hit the long ball. It was, it was really, really fun to watch some days. Did you ever make it over to the zoo? I did. I actually did. I went over to the zoo, nice zoo. Uh, we we did the uh, what's that other thing? Uh, the I what is that? I don't even remember what it is. But we did everything. We tried to enjoy 
the time that I had in, in Omaha. It was a good city. Did you try a Runza? You know, you know what Runza is? I do not. Okay, that's a, okay. never mind. Well, it's too hard to explain. It's a well, Nebraska. Well, tell me because I'm, planning, I'm actually planning another trip over to the Omaha area later this summer. So Really? What are you going to Omaha for? I mean, I'm not bashing my home I, state, but <laughs> <laughs> what are you going? I have a good friend that's there that we're, we're doing business with okay. by the name of Dwayne Hosey. He actually lives oh, in Oh, yeah, Omaha. Dwayne Hosey, former, former Royals AAA, played for Boston and Japan, right? Is that right? Absolutely, absolutely. I remember Dwayne. He's lefty, sweet lefty swing. Love that guy. He's actually a switch hitter, yes. Yeah. Oh, he's a switch. I okay, I remember him as lefty. Yeah, the, the Runza is like a – it's filled with, like, ground beef, and it sounds nasty, like kind of some cabbage, but it's freaking delicious. It's, a, it's like a huge bread pocket. It's delicious. you got to try one of those when you're back. Okay. I'll make sure – I'll remind you. Don't worry. You'll have to You'll have to try that. <laughs> so, okay, so June 10th of 2000. So you got one more call to the big leagues. Um, you got in three games with Kansas City. Do you remember much about that, you know, last brief hurrah here? Yeah, you know what? Not much. I, I remember, uh, like I said, I started the year. I didn't really – have a chance to play, and I was coming off of bad spring training. Um, I wanted to get some more time to get right because I believe I was I was uh, not a hundred percent. But they they chose to go. I think they went with Ray or Daz at the time, uh, went in a different direction, and uh, you know I went down to AAA and and, and finished out the year. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, I will like to point out that uh, you got a base hit in what would be your last big league game. So, um, so props to you for that. But did you ever expect to come back to KC later that year in September, or did you pretty much know that was it? No, I actually did. I thought I would just be down for a little while. Uh, I didn't expect to be down the whole year. Uh, so that I think that that was a little frustrating. But again, once you're off the roster, you know, putting someone back on the roster always becomes a little bit tricky so i understood it and uh any of the royals at that time just wanted to go in a different direction so your final professional at bat must have come in omaha uh, do you recall anything about the last game did you think it was going to be your last game well you know i didn't you know i went into uh the off season with the expectation of getting ready and again i just had a lot of vision problems i had some some back problems again and I actually went into spring training with Tampa Bay uh, and couldn't get off the training table for the, for the most part. And I, I called the manager in and said, hey, you know what, I think I'm done. Uh, they wanted me to go down to AAA and just, you know, to get right. But it's very, very difficult as a professional athlete not being able to get on the field at, a, you know, at 90%, let alone um, 100%. Yeah, well, I've always considered getting LASIK. I've always been scared, but this conversation's reaffirming. I'm going to stick with glasses, man. Yeah, stick to glasses. I was that, you know, they say there's one out of a thousand. I guess I was that one out of a thousand. Ugh, man, I'm sorry. Um, so I've had probably a dozen or so former players uh, tell me they went through kind of a mourning period. So that you you know you walk away from baseball, uh, you want nothing to do with baseball for a few years. Did you ever go through that, like a bitter, depressed phase, or not really? You know, actually, one I, once I got out. Tampa Bay, they offered me a position as a scout. I actually did that for a little bit. Uh, found out there was no money in it. <laughs> so I decided that I better get out and, and do something else where I can feed the family. But I didn't have that initially. Uh, I took a year off and then went to one of the inner city high schools over here and helped coach. Uh, and then we actually put a travel team together. Our team was actually pretty good. We had the team for 10 years, and I believe we had, uh, over that span, about 15 guys drafted from the team and a number of guys that are actually uh, 
able to play college. And one of the guys is actually a Kansas City Royal now, Blake Perkins. Oh, uh, yeah, I love Blake. Blake's, I interviewed him last year, actually. Blake is one of the best kids in the world. He has a super heart. He's going to be a good big league player. Yeah, he works the count. He's patient. He, he plays great defense. He can run the bases. I like. I saw him play at Wilmington last year for the Carolina League. Very good. Uh, very cool, very cool. Well, okay, so I want to, you know, last four or five questions here. Um, wrap it up, you know, talking about KC again. So uh, did you ever get to explore Kansas City at all as a city? Did you ever try any barbecue or do anything fun off the field here? Uh, you know what, that's one of the big depressions of my life. I didn't get into the KC barbecue. We stayed in Overland Park. Okay. Uh, so we weren't in the city. Uh, I wish that that's one of the things I did. I didn't really uh, explore the city too much. Uh, Kevin Apier actually at his house he had a lake so Jermaine Dye and I would go fishing there all the time so that was the majority of my free time it was fishing at Kevin's Lake yeah talk about a great pitcher by the way man I loved watching him pitch falling off the mound towards first you ever face him before I had not oh you're lucky <laughs> people t- <laughs> people told me he was nasty to step in there against um have you ever come back here since you left no you know I haven't been back again uh it's one of the cities I actually like because uh, there's something about Midwestern people. They're very nice people. You go all over the, the country and you get to, to understand how different people are in different parts of the country. And it seems to be that the people in the Midwest, especially in the, the Kansas, uh, Missouri, Nebraska areas, are really, really down-to-earth and really nice. So I do want to get back. Well, maybe you can make a three-hour drive up. It's only three hours from Omaha. You know, if, after you sure. see D. Hosey's, check out the sure. new stadium, the new digs here with the new renovations. You'll love it, man. All right. If I come up there, you got to show me some Kansas City barbecue. I, I'll, I'll show you Gates. Gates is the best. Don't, don't listen to anybody else that says anything different. Gates is the best, okay. man. <laughs> uh, do you stay in touch with any of your former Royals teammates at all? You know, uh, Sweeney and I talk every now and again. Uh, I talk to Jed Hansen every once in a while. Uh, Sal Pisano every once in a while. Uh, but that's about it. You know, we see each other on Facebook here and there, but uh, hadn't really talked to many of the guys. Sal's a, a manager, isn't he now? A minor league manager? He is. He is. Like the Vermont River Monsters or something, or Lake Claws? I can't, or... I can't remember exactly where he is, <laughs> Yeah. But, hey, that guy could catch. Yeah, he man. Was fun. That he, guy could catch. He could hit home runs too. I remember Wichita one year. He hit like twenty some. He could. He could. When he got. When he got a hold of one, man, it would go a long ways. I remember that for sure. Big strong kid. Yes. Big big strong kid. Well, I guess my last thing for you is, in summary, what would you like to say uh, to Royals fans and baseball fans listening right now? You know, I know as a small market club, a lot of the fans get frustrated with some of the trades and some of the things that go on. Be patient with some of these young kids coming up because. I've seen some of the guys in the minor league system, and there are some good players. Um, one of the things that I loved about Kansas City were the fans and the support there. Keep supporting your team. Uh, we really appreciate it as players more than you'll ever know. Thanks so much for your time, and definitely stay in touch. And, and when you're back this way, man, if you, if you come down here, I'd love to see a game and, and show you the town and, and talk some baseball with you, man. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. Okay, take care, man. Have a great day. All right, sir.